You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. At Nisio Seminary. How many of you, anybody here had Dr. Monroe as your professor? Anybody? Yeah, I see a couple of hands go up. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a quiz after the sermon. But uh, he has, along with Dr. Langberg, founded the Global Trauma Recovery Institute that has trained thousands of leaders around the world in some of the most traumatized parts of the world. He also provides ongoing direction to the Global Trauma Institute at the American Bible Society. So he really does know what he's talking about. And uh, he's also a wonderful counselor, I can tell you from personal experience. And just a man of God, a man of a gentle spirit, and yet powerful in the Lord. And he told me when I asked him to speak today, he said, I don't speak, I don't preach. We've sat through one service with him. This man preaches. So, <laughs> so uh, get ready for the Word of God. Let's welcome Dr. Phil Monroe. Good morning, everyone. It's good to worship with you. You might wonder if singing these wonderful praise songs has anything to do with trauma. Can we really put them in the same room at the same time? And I want you to leave here today to saying yes. Both can exist. In heaven, they won't both exist. We will just be in that revelation picture singing praise song after praise song, not needing a break to sit down. But here in this world, we can do both. And if you've come today and you feel really disconnected from the ability to sing these praise songs because you are in a deep well of pain. You matter, you are valuable here, and your pain matters to God. That may be the big question that you have, and that's what we want to answer today, this morning, as we look at God's Word. Does He really care about our pain? Does He really have something to offer? Do the Scriptures speak to this kind of pain? We want to know because we want to bring our whole selves to God, not just the shiny parts that we bring on Sunday, not just the nice buffed up things, right? Because we know in our hearts that something's not wrong, right in this world, that something's wrong, and we don't know how to solve it. Is there healing? What does it look like? And maybe, church, you have been hurting either now or in the past. And someone representing the Bible or representing the church has given you a quick and easy answer, and you've walked away even more discouraged. Well, we're here to see what kind of care God gives. You know, this weekend we've been talking about trauma. We've been talking about deep suffering. And if you were not here over Friday and Saturday, I want to give you a little taste of what we're meaning when we say the word trauma. Trauma is a deep wound of your heart. It affects every part of your being. And it takes a long time to heal. 
It is just as real as any wound that you might have on your external body that we could see. And it needs the same kind of respect and care, compassion, that any physical wound that you might have. Trauma can be something that happens in a blink of an eye. It can be like a car accident or an assault, an attack, a natural disaster. Or it can be the slow burn that takes place in our homes when there's violence, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, things that we somehow have learned to live with and even normalize and say this is just the way it is. Of course it's not normal, and at some point we wake up and we have to admit we cannot go back. We are wounded deeply. This is a little bit of what trauma is. And when we have a chronic trauma in our lives, there's often three symptoms that we can show and experience. One is we keep reliving or re-experiencing the trauma. And that shows up in nightmares. That shows up in uh, reliving during the day that shows up in any time our senses might trigger something and we feel like it's happening all over again. We feel all the same emotions. And after a trigger, we are upset with ourselves and we think, what's wrong with me? But this is part of what trauma does and is. Of course, we don't want to relive, and so we do everything we can to shut it down. We try to numb it out. We try to avoid it, anything that might trigger that. Sometimes... Sadly, we turn to drugs and alcohol or sex or overwork or anything else to not think about it. But that rarely works. Uh, in fact, it will always fail. And so here we are left on alert all the time, feeling like we're that piano wire about to snap. And oftentimes it's invisible. People look at us and we look nice, we look fine, we put, look put together, but inside we're crying out. And we wonder if anybody can see. And so as a result, we feel disconnected. We feel disconnected from our friends, our family. We feel disconnected from our community. We feel disconnected maybe even from our former self. And we feel disconnected from God. The old messages that we used to listen to and the beliefs and the truths that we used to really identify with seem so far away from us. And we enter this spiritual struggle. We wonder if anything can be true, if God really does care. Or maybe he cares about everybody else, but not me. It can't be for me because I can't find my way out of this. And we over and over are tortured by the question of why. Why did this happen? And how? How can I get out of this hell? This, this is what trauma is. If you are experiencing something like that today or if a friend or family member is, I want to tell you that this is normal. No one wants it, but it is a normal response to abnormal situation in your life. And it is not a sign of your weak faith. And we will see that, in fact, throughout Scripture, where it's dealing with trauma, this is the reaction that God's people have. And we will see that he actually gives us language to bring these kinds of tears and complaints to him. But of course, you came here today wanting to know what in the world does the scriptures have to say about trauma. So I want to give us a little window. And I, I want to say on the side, I am a psychologist. I believe in counseling. I believe in good medication. 
But when we have spiritual questions, we need to go to the source, right? We need to go to God's Word to see what He has to say about our problems. So, open your Bible to... And if you don't have a Bible, open your phone. And if you don't have that, look on the screen, right? 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, I've got to set this passage up because if you don't have the setup, then this doesn't really make as much sense. Elijah has had the most amazing, probably the biggest spiritual success in all of history outside of the resurrection, right? He has just confronted 400 prophets of Baal on a mountain in the north of Israel where he says, come on. Now, you guys know the World Series is on. This is a big thing. But this is like the World Series and the Super Bowl and every other sports event all together. It's here. Bring it on. He says, go ahead, prophets of Baal, set up your your, um, sacrificial stuff here. Put up your rocks. Get your wood. Get your, you know... Put your sacrifice on there. And now call down to your God to bring fire. And if he brings fire, then we'll worship him. But then I'm going to call down on God to see if he is God. We're going to find out who is truly God. Of course, the prophets of Baal, they try, they do everything. They curse, they sing, they cry out, they cut themselves. And, you know, Elijah can't pass up some good taunting, you know. Sure, we've all done that with our uh, opposing sports teams, right? He says, oh, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he went on a journey. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Keep trying. But at some point, they give up. And Elijah ups the ante. He pours gallons and gallons of water on this sacrifice because he wants to make sure they don't think he's got some secret spark here where he's going to get this thing lit. And God shows up. Fire from heaven burns up the sacrifice, burns up the wood, burns up the stones and the water. An amazing victory. Later, God uh, answers Elijah's prayer, and rain comes for the first time in, what, three years or something like that, and and he is able to outrun King Ahab's uh, chariot back, you know, into town. And then this. Chapter 19. When Ahab got home, this is the king, who's not happy, he told his wife, Queen Jezebel, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid, fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Let's stop and just consider the story. This amazing prophet who's had the most amazing success, one day, the next day, is shook to his core. This is an example of trauma. He has been disconnected from everything he just experienced and all that he has known from God, all that 
is like it never existed for him. He's on the run. Do you know when we are traumatized, our reactions are often, when we're triggered, to fight, to flight, which we see here, or to freeze. And we actually see that as well. He runs off. He gets away. He doesn't want to be around anybody. He doesn't even want to be around close people who know and love him, his servants. He lays down and dies. And in this passage, we get this sense that he also is feeling shame. I'm no better than the others who have died in front of me. I'm nothing. Maybe you felt this way. You felt the same thing. Maybe you felt even guilty about feeling this way. I wonder if Elijah did. He wanted to die. Does God care? I suppose probably what God does next is gives him a little slap therapy, right? Reminds him, like, come on, dude, get up. You're Elijah. I gave you a message. Get back in the game. Shake it off. Hmm. Let's go see. What does God do? Then he lay down, Elijah, and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, for the journey ahead will be too much for you. Isn't this interesting? What does God do? He provides for his physical needs. You know, when we're suffering with trauma, whether it was something that happened yesterday or something that happened 40 years ago, we are in pain and our physical bodies need help. They need care. And the very first thing that we do with traumatized people and what we need as traumatized people is that kind of care. And look at the kindness and care of God. No lecture, no sermon, no condemnation, some food and some water, some sleep. These are the first and foremost things that we need as well. And these are the kinds of care God gives you. Look around to see what kinds of care. A ministering angel, yours might not look like this angel, but I suspect you have people in your life who might be willing to help you. We need to find them, right, when we're suffering. Well, what did Elijah do? So he got up. He ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. God gave him a journey, something to do. When we are struggling with things to make sense of the world and nothing makes sense, we need to be able to know what's the next thing I need to do. Have you ever gone on a hike before? Have you ever gone on a journey? Well, you put one foot in front of the other, right? If you are thinking too far about how long it's going to take and how is it going to be there, you're going to probably trip over the next rock or tree or miss that scorpion that you need to kind of go around, right? So Elijah gets a mission. Walk. He doesn't to go back into the thick of the battle. 
just walked. And where does he walk? He has him walked to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, the place where God met Moses and the children of Israel to give him his word. He brought him back to the source. Think about this. Sometimes when everything is confusing, we need to be brought back to very simple things. We have food, we have water, we have a journey. We just need to pay attention to those simple things. This is part of the healing journey that you need. And the kind of care that we, even in our professional lives as counselors, give to people. Safety, stabilization, how to live today. We don't answer the big questions. We don't go into the sermons, right? Because all we can do is just the thing in front of us. So now, of course, now that you're on Mount Sinai, now God's going to come with the word, right? He's going to come with the, with the message. He's going to come with the lecture, the complaint against Elijah, right? No, actually, let's watch what happens next. The Lord asked him a question. The Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And notice what happens. Elijah replies, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God allows Elijah to tell his complaint to you know, this is not just something for Elijah to do, but he's given you words of complaint. Have you ever thought about that? God wants to hear your complaints. What are you talking about, Phil? Have you read the Psalms? A third of the Psalms are lament Psalms, and we talked about this yesterday, and if you weren't here, find somebody who was to talk about how you go about making your lament to God. The beginning of healing is on the journey of lament, telling God your complaint. How long, O oh Lord? Do the dead praise you? Have you rejected me forever? This is the kind of complaint that Elijah is bringing. Read Psalm 13 when you get home. Read Psalm 42 and 43. Read Psalm 88. These psalms are given to you to read and pray, and you can write your own and share it with a family member or a close person congregation. We need to lament together because people are in pain, and this is the beginning of bringing our pain to Jesus, our hero. He wants to know. Elijah tells a story, so I'm sure God then corrects him, right? No, he says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, and the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And what did the voice say again? What are you doing here, Elijah? And we see Elijah tells the same exact story. You know, he tells the same thing because he's struggling. And we... When we're traumatized, we need to retell our story over and over. It may sound repetitious. And you, the listener, you may get tired of it. You, the teller, you may get tired of it. But it's part of the healing journey to keep telling our pain to God as long as we have it. He does not get impatient. He is not like Job's 
uh, friends who can listen for seven days far longer than probably most of us have ever listened to anybody. No, he continues to listen. He continues to listen. But the Lord doesn't just listen passively and give some sort of like, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. He gives him a new mission. Read on. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to be from the town of Abel, Meholah and replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. In this short message, God gives him something very tangible to do. Here's three things you got to go do. Go on a journey, anoint these people. And in doing so, I'm going to show you, Elijah, that I am not... Uh, apathetic to injustice. Justice is going to take place. Those who have done evil will meet their end. I am doing something. I am the one doing it. And by the way, you're not alone. Look at the 7,000 around you. You are not alone in your pain. Look around, congregation. There's people in these pews, and they carry their own pain. You are not alone. Victory Church is here to provide resources as well to show you that you're not alone. If you are suffering, what do you need? Well, you need basic things too, right? You need care for your body. You need a safe friend who will be trusted and not break your confidence. You need counselors and other people who will listen to your pain and guide you gently into your mission. You see, we have a high priest who understands exactly what we've gone through. He understands betrayal trauma. We talked about this yesterday. He understands trauma. He experienced it on his way to the cross. And he cried out with lament, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But his death was not the end. He was resurrected, church. He was resurrected. And in doing so, he brings healing to you. Listen to the words of Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. This is what he said during his ministry and how much more was his ministry after his resurrection. And it has been given to us, too, to also be part of the healing journey. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released, that prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn, what does he give us? He's given us a crown of beauty, Instead of ashes, joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, in their righteousness, they will be great oaks that the Lord has planted. You might not feel like a great oak today. You might feel like a wispy little tree, but he has planted you, and he has given you a mission. What's that mission? Listen to the mission in verse 4 here. They, the hurting ones, the suffering ones, 
will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing the cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. You see, it's not the healthy who are going to bring the healing. It is the ones who have suffered. It is you. It is you who are suffering, who have faced injustice, who can speak truth. And church, that's what we need. We need an awakening of truth. We need an awakening. And that means we have to talk about hard things. We need to lament together. Because in doing so, that opens us up to hear God's gentle whisper. To see his mission of walking alongside somebody who's broken. To begin to do the most basic things in our life. Healing is a journey. It's rarely a flash. Um, It takes time, just like any physical injury. But God is powerful, and he brings it to you. And he will bring that picture of justice, whether now in this life or the one to come. Friends, our God is a healing God. Walk with him in a new way. Look for it. When you go outside today, use all the senses that he gave you to notice his creational power. It's in the leaves. It's in the grass, it's in the trees, it's in the sky, it's in the birds. Let that tell you that he has not forgotten you and that there is healing for you. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Dr. Monroe. <clears throat> you know, in a series like this and after a message like that, we want to provide some extra, some extra care. Uh, and the way that we do that is through our website, getvictory.net slash resources. There's a QR code that's going to be up on the screen. You can scan that. It'll take you right there. There's, there's resources about counseling, uh, victim services. Uh, we'll put up th- some the ex- lament exercise uh, there by the end of the day today, along with uh, some more trauma resources after today's message. Uh, so those are all available anytime at getvictory.net slash resources. And we also have a table right outside our welcome room where our safeguarding team will be and some staff. If you want to talk to somebody in person, today, maybe just to hear, just to have someone listen. Uh, we're here for you, and we want to make sure that that care is available here at Victory Church. So either the resources webpage or the table right outside of the welcome room, I make yourself available to that today. We don't want to let any service end here at Victory Church without giving you the invitation to follow Jesus. So, so right now, if you want to say uh, yes to Jesus, know that he loves you. He has a plan and a mission for your life. He cares about you, and there is hope found in Jesus. And it starts by making a decision to follow him. And the way we do that here, Richard, is one of the ways we do that is by saying a prayer, repeating our prayer out loud. And so right now I'm going to lead us in that prayer. And I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and, and close our eyes. And, and if you want to, I want to invite everyone to say that prayer with me and know that if you're saying that for the first time or rededicating your life, there's power in these words that we're going to speak together. So let's play. Please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the free gift of salvation. I believe that you died for me, that you are God. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you. From this point forward, I give my life to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, 
please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.